once again, here I am plugging another film out now on Shudder. Shudder, the ultimate genre film streaming platform with everything that you may have heard of in horror and sci-fi and cult films, and maybe some stuff you haven't that you maybe need to check out. Shudder is a kick-ass streaming platform for genre film fans and even genre filmmakers who maybe need to do a little research on some films of the past. But one cool thing Shudder also does, like many other streaming platforms, is they have original and exclusive films for you to watch as well that they've acquired from all over the world. And that's how I tracked down today's guests. About a week and a half ago, while I was scrolling through Instagram and whatnot, of course, I see some buzz for a new film that just dropped on Shudder, also released by Dread Central. They've had a ton of involvement in the horror film community over the years and have been releasing a lot of great independent feature films as of late. Big fan. For the Sake of Vicious is the name of the movie. And once I heard about this and heard the premise and everything, I popped it on and loved all 80 minutes of it. And while I was loving all 80 minutes of it, I decided to throw out a tweet to the filmmakers. Just give them a little shout out, you know, see what happens. And, you know, they responded quite well. I woke up the next morning with a reply and everything and decided to shoot my shot and say, hey, I run a podcast. I love talking to independent filmmakers who are getting out there in the world. Why don't you guys come on? And about five days later, we cut this episode. This is a kick-ass fun episode breaking down the nitty-gritty of independent filmmaking and three film nerds kind of geeking out in the first 30, 40 minutes. Enjoy, and also for the sake of Vicious, is streaming now on Shudder. I am in no way affiliated with Shudder, may I add. I'm just a fan. But it'd be cool if they could send me like a t-shirt or something. Anyway, welcome to the basement. Enjoy the show. guys it's a big day here on tyler geist's basement uh this is my first time interviewing a directing pair on the show i got reese evaneshin and gabe Carrer on who made a pretty awesome film basically that just premiered on shutter what was it by the time this airs have been been like a week and a half this will air in probably a couple of days yeah. uh for the sake of vicious probably one of the coolest home invasion films I've seen in a long time. And I'm happy that's kind of a subgenre that is back out there. And I hope to see more of it. Uh, how are you guys doing, by the way? How, how's everything going? Uh, I mean, we're pretty good. <laughs> you know, tired for some reason. Yeah. Uh, no, me too. Tired of doing nothing. It's weird. Like, it's yeah. kind of like we're in lockdown here still. And yeah. nothing's open, really. Where yeah. are you guys? <laughs> Did we're not ask that before we started recording. No, no, we're we're in Ontario, Canada. So, yeah. all right, I'm Guelph, a little small town. Well, it's not really small. Yeah, it's small compared to other big cities, but uh, yeah, Guelph, Guelph, little city. We got two. Where are you? Ones. I am in the East Coast. I'm down in, I'm down in Central Florida right now. Okay, I'm right in on. the Orlando area. Nice, uh, nice and weather and warm. Eh, actually, this time of year is really good because it makes me think of like fall i'm from the northeast originally okay uh but like there's no you know obviously we're in florida no snow but like there's kind of like a an october feel down here this time of year so okay all right uh i guess i guess shutter really likes uh canadian filmmakers because you guys <laughs> I, i've interviewed now 
uh, might that three or four. I don't, I don't, I forget, but they've all been uh, director of slacks that's on shutter. And um, okay. Brandon Christensen who did super host plus like two other films there. So yeah, shutter must have a thing for you guys you North of the border guys, but um, we, we've somehow just typed into the, tapped into the cultural zeitgeist apparently so good for you guys dark disturbing content so uh as for the movie uh just real quick one of you or both of you or whatever just give the audience the elevator pitch on this film oh god i haven't been asked to do this in like two years (laughs) sorry i feel like i gotta stop saying elevator (laughs) just gabe's like no i'm not doing anything (laughs) okay you know remember that scene in point break (laughs) <laughs> where they break into uh, Keanu Reeves is late for his own raid and uh, Tom Sizemore has that small cameo and they kind of invade that house and kind of all hell breaks loose um, and then you know the lawnmower scene outside 60% of our movie is like that yeah yeah, yeah it's like pretty accurate 40% <laughs> is um, kind of like prisoners with Hugh Jackman a lot of accusation um, kitchen room courtroom drama yes uh, that unfolds with uh you know three unlikely candidates um yeah. that would meet yeah three people who were stuck in a really god-awful situation who have to figure out how to get away from it together officially though it's about uh, romina who is a night nurse who gets home from her night shift on halloween and finds a stranger in her house who is a gentleman tied up in her kitchen and it unfolds from there. You realize, why is he in this house? Why is this person tied up? What's going on? And then we do a nice little flip on you and on the halfway point and just turn everything up to 11 and show you that you really have no idea what's going on. And we're just going to push you right into the shit. So, Yeah, that that's, I mean, of course, it's really accurate. You guys made it. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I think that like, yeah, I want to say around like it's like the 45 minute mark when it just got really, really gory. And I just like was leaping up out of the couch, like, yes. All right. I think that was in my tweet that initially kicked off this conversation with getting you guys on the show or at letterboxd or something. I'm like, if you are just in store for some kick-ass gore, uh, this movie really fires on all cylinders. Like sometimes I'm in the mood for, you know, seeing what a movie can, how far they can go the distance with their gore. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I'm not, but like, I guess, I don't know. I guess you guys hit me on the right night. Cause is it weird that I'm like really into gore while watching this, but like, do, do you see the people you're talking to? You're, you're in safe company here. It's fine. All right. It's cool, man. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, well that, no, that we're going to touch on the film a little bit on the back end here on the show. I, I just kind of our routine when I bring directors on, you know, me being one myself, I mean, a little more of a writer these days, but, you know, I just kind of want to know, like, the, the your origin story, your backstory, if we want to do this one at a time, or you guys want to riff off of each other, you know, like, but the main question I ask is, you know, what, whether it's film or books you've read, or just, I, I don't know anything, like, what made you decide that you want to do this, or you want to, you, I saw something, and I want to do that now, so. All right. Gabe, you go first. It's like making movies. Yeah, yeah. why, 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 why are you in it? What's, what's, what's the draw? What's your, what's your, what's your uh, villain right origin there, story? Actually, ironically, has a lot to do with it. The Is gate, it? dude. That's the um, Terrorvision vinyl soundtrack. Um, oh I framed it because I love the artwork, and uh, if I want to listen to it, I'll just 
play the MP3s, but uh, that movie um, was probably that and like, well, no, that movie was like being a kid. I was probably like, what, four or five when that came out. Um, and my dad was like, my uncle was, helped do some of the special effects in that. And my dad went down to Toronto, um, or I don't know where it was, into Frank, one of the guys, Frank Gray, and um, he, my dad saw the little minion things. And so he came home and started telling me about it, and then time passed, and then I got to see the film one night and was just floored. So I think my dad and good old video stores, just like every other filmmaker's past, right? Like just that magic of going to a video store, renting movies, um, you know, we weren't YouTube or anything yeah. like that, right? It was going to the video store and my dad renting R-rated films and the way our basement was, um, there was French doors going into the living room. So Friday night, pizza night, my dad and I, he would rent a movie and I would was able to pick a movie. I usually picked, I think I kept picking Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, I forget which one. But he would get his R-rated and um, we'd watch my movie first, then I'd go upstairs to bed. But uh, I grew up and I started realizing, what, what movies is he watching? So our steps were angled in a way where um, I could sit on the steps in adjacent to the hallway that leads to the TV room in the basement. And if the French doors were open, a crack open a certain way, I could sit at the bottom step of the uh, stairs and look at the glass and see the reflection of the TV onto the glass. Um, so I got smart where I would just keep the door open when I left the room on it like angled so I could go down and watch all the movies that he was watching that were already. So I watched Predator 2 for the first time like that. Um, a Rambo, first Rambos, all that stuff was kind of my introduction. That's kind of what triggered me. And then from there it was just, you know, you and your friends would be outside in the backyard doing stupid shit, you know, like you'd have a VHS camera and you'd be doing skits. Um, no, I, I completely, did you guys have like a big, um, I don't know what they had in Canada at the time, but you guys have like a big video store or did you go to like a mom and pop kind of thing? The one in my neighborhood was called video flicks and it was a mom and pop. It was a plaza. We did have like a jumbo video in Guelph, but it was on the South end of the city. Um, I don't think we had a blockbuster at the time. So Jumbo Video was like the big one, but it was in the south end, so we never went there. We always, we literally went to Video Flicks, was, which was like a three-minute drive for us. And it was a legit mom and pop with the XXX rated room in the back. That wasn't the door, but it was a curtain into the back. With beads or something? Yes. Like <laughs> Always the beads. Always yeah. the beads. No, we had a similar sort of thing, like... I mean, we had Blockbuster. I remember Blockbuster as a kid, and we had Rogers Video in Canada, which was like Blockbuster. Um, uh, but mostly what I remember is the independent mom-and-pop video stores, the ones that you could just walk around the corner that was always connected to the little mini mark. Mm -hmm. So you'd go there first, you'd grab some snacks, and then you'd go to the mom-and-pop video store where they'd let you, because, you know, at a big, bigger chain video store, like they wouldn't let you rent the R-rated stuff. And I guess technically they shouldn't let you do that at the mom and pop stores, but just by my luck, they, they would, they didn't seem to care. They were like, Oh yeah, you can rent this. And I remember the, um, you know, there was, and I'm sure we all have this, this draw. There was just something about the horror section at a video yeah. store, especially because back in the day, I feel like they put effort into it, you know, like some of them had like, 
they put the, they put it in its own little section and have cool little designs around it. And yeah. it felt like you were going into something really spooky and you'd just be looking at the spines of the VHS tapes and like cover art was such a mm-hmm. vital part of my upbringing. <laughs> and uh, I was always drawn to it. And uh, yeah, same, same sort of thing as Gabe. Like, you know, I lived with my mom when I was a kid. It was just my mom and I, and she didn't have any filters when it came to what I could watch. So we would watch literally everything together and I would just go to the video store and grab something because of the video art and be like, oh, I need to watch this, you know, and I liked how the movies made me feel. There was a rush I got from it that I couldn't get from anything else. It was this experience of, well, we all know what it is. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing it. But you, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be like, well, how do I do that? How do I give people that sort of feeling? So. Speaking of that rush, I remember putting, um, my parents had an exercise bike, like, you know, the ones you sit on and you pedal. Yeah. And during my return of the Jedi craziness as a kid, I'd place the exercising bike right, like pushed up against the TV. And we had like the old boob, obviously back in the eighties, the, the glass TVs, and it was on an entertainment unit. So the, it was leveled with the handlebars, the TV. And I would put the VHS in and keep rewinding the speeder bike part when they're in the Ford Endor with the Ewoks. And I would sit on the speeder, on the exercise bike and put my face like right against the glass screen and do this pretending like, cause it was just felt so real. And like to physically get into that position, you know, as a kid and that mad, the magic and the star Wars films, like you just felt like you were there and like, you know, like your eye would be smashed against, you know, the, tv <laughs> it, it was fun being a kid man like you just did the magic like, and i kind of like yeah. today like you know recently yeah we do have similar things and i'm sure you do and anyone you know who grew up in the 80s and 90s and i'm like it makes me go what inspires filmmakers that are 18 18 years old today what was what was their childhood like that would have been in the year 2000 and up right yeah but like what were they because i i don't know when youtube and stuff came about but it they you know they weren't inspired when they were three or four but maybe when they were 10 or 11 so like that would have been 2009 2010 so i think there was youtube yeah there i want to say i was turned on to youtube i remember the first thing i ever saw on youtube was the trailer for the dark knight that was like (laughs) when i was like oh you can you can watch a video on this website with a but oh i didn't I, i mean it was youtube was big but I don't think it's what it be. It wasn't what it became. No, I, I was there at the very beginning of YouTube, man. It started in 2005. Yeah, I that my, sounds about my, right. I had my account and I still have that same account. So. You actually? <laughs> yeah, I do. Well, I loved it. But back then it wasn't what it is. I, I'm going to sound like an old guy. I'm like, old YouTube was great. You could put anything on this before monetization and all of that. Like you could find so much great shit on YouTube that has been lost over the years. But I get what Gabe's saying. Like, I don't know because even just thinking about when I was a kid and you wanted to look up anything about filmmaking or even, you know, talking about gore, I was obsessed with um, like George Romero and Tom Savini. Yeah. And you had to go out and find the books about these guys. You couldn't go on the internet to look it up. That wasn't a thing. It didn't exist. I remember finding um, they had a cult section at one of the video stores and they had the old Tom Savini documentary Scream Greats that Fangoria had put out in the 80s. And I got that and that blew my mind. I couldn't believe that that existed. 
It's, that was like opening a whole new door. But nowadays, like you're saying, and it's not to, um, you know, to, to spit on what, what's going on. I mean, they've, every filmmaker in any, any generation, they have to find it their own way. But I have oh, to feel that some of that magic, it's not the same. Like, it really felt special when you discovered something back in the day. No, I, I feel you. Like, I feel like kids who grew up in the 80s and 90s, you know, it, it is hard. We'll see maybe in 10, 15 years what's going on with people 10, 15 years younger than us. But, like, I feel like there was just a lot more imagination going on and a lot more. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Like, and, but. I guess what I'm just trying to get at is like, you see something like, I mean, I don't want to knock TikTok because I've actually kind of said some nice things about it. I was but... just going to mention TikTok. <laughs> you gotta, look, I, I got to admit, I love TikTok. <laughs> I, I got to admit it too. Like it, it really, I'll, I just catch myself watching videos and there's some of them are stupid videos and some of them are just like, oh, this is some thought provoking, cool, well elaborate shit. Absolutely. And so maybe that's where things are going with people coming up the ropes right now. I mean, that makes me sound like a geezer and I'm not, I still feel like I'm kind of in my prime, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like one, of, I was, you know, a pre nine 11 kid who got to see all these great action and horror movies. And then things kind of changed in the new millennium. And, yeah. you know, I, now I feel like, you know, it, it's almost generic to say, but there is just a lot of reboots. Now, are we just going to keep seeing reboots? Cause you know, people who are getting involved in film at 11, 12 years old and picking up cameras, all they've seen is the, you know, four or five transformers, even those aren't really reboots. They're well to the cartoon, but um, I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but that's really <laughs> cool. That, like, no, but that's, that's a good point. Cause it kind of today, I, I just, you know, you hear about people raising a fuss with the new Batman movies, not rated R it's PG 13. And you raise a good point where it's like, imagine when Nolan's dark Knight came out. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the theater and we're all there. And, um, one of us goes up to the, one of us goes, so literally in just 15 years from now, Ben Affleck's going to be the next Batman. And you're going to be like, what? And then, you know, the guy from Twilight, he's going to be a Batman after Ben Affleck. You'd be looking at that person saying like, no, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, that's listen. not going to happen, dude. Like, what are the chances? So it's like mentioning that back then is almost the same thing of right now. Think of something in a franchise and the most craziest combination you could think of an actor you know it wouldn't be too far off in the way they're pumping out these franchises and reboots one after the other now um i'm surprised they even greenlit the the, the batman with uh patterson it's like that came pretty quick too mm -hmm. you know? i think it's just a cycle though like i don't i always believe that like it it seems long now but at a certain point one of these movies is gonna tank right. and then another one's gonna tank the bubble always bursts. Yeah. And then something's going to shift and the pendulum's going to swing and it's going to go back the other way. And then guess what? 30 years from now, we're going to go through the exact same thing again. Like you just got to ride the wave. Yeah. You know, I, I have a tough time complaining about it because honestly, like I, I don't mind it. You know, I watch all these franchise movies too. I yeah. watch a lot of stuff, but I'm like, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid myself. So for me to sit here and get on a soapbox and yeah, and no, it, I'm like, I can't, you know, because I'm the first in line for all this stuff. So. This needs to be a movie soon. Oh, yeah. This is an untapped live action <laughs> cinematic universe. He's showing Skeletor, by the way. Um, but uh, 
yeah, no, I get what you're saying, Reese, because I, of course, I'm going to go see the new Batman. Of course, I'm going to go probably this weekend and see the fifth installment into the Scream franchise. I'm still yeah. lucky you get to see that. Yeah, it's- we our theaters are closed down. We can't go to anything. Fuck, wow. This is just yeah. a different. I mean, look, like I said, I'm in Florida. They We stopped acknowledging coronavirus <laughs> like in July of 2020. <laughs> but... <laughs> I say that not, that's not my opinion on the matter, I know, but, I know. <laughs> but um, no, like I get what you're saying. Like I, 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 I like to sound like an old fart complaining about, you know, all what the kids are doing until I, you know, I have a cutoff point. Cause I go, yeah, I love these things too. I love, I will watch every Batman movie that comes out. Fuck. Yeah. Give it to me. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, to bring up the dark Knight again, I feel like that movie and I have a friend that listens to this has been on the show a few times me and him saw that movie at midnight when it came out on a Thursday, Friday morning. And I just feel like that was always a landmark film for me with kind of answering that question. I gave you guys just going, I want to do that. Like there's something special in what Christopher Nolan just did. I know Heath Ledger's performance is iconic, but there's, there's something going on in that movie to take a a built-in IP of, one of the most iconic super comic book superheroes of all time. And it, it, it just, it just hit for me and just being in that theater at midnight. And I don't know. I just remember walking out of there going like, okay, I got to figure, I got to figure this out a little bit. I got And then every movie I've watched good or bad, I try to pull something from regardless. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's move on. That was a great 15 minute little thing <laughs> we just did there. Um, but like, this is just a little bit of kind of a spinoff of that first question, but uh, like early inspirations of filmmakers, you know, other directors you guys have watched over the years. Boy, this is always such a tough one because it's like, but I bet you heard it a lot. <laughs> yeah. But it's because it, my, my go-to, like I, I, there's a ton I like, but at the same time, I'm like, sometimes you'll get a filmmaker who's made nothing but not so great movies. And then they make one really good movie. And you go, oh, I really like them now. You know, <laughs> like so it's it's hard to narrow it down. I mean, I know when I was a kid, you know, it's it's super cliche, but it is what it is. Like Jaws, man, Spielberg, that was a big deal for me. Romero has always been a big deal for me and will never stop being a big deal. That like really cemented something in my brain when I was young. It just hit at the right age. So um yeah, like, but again, when I'm on the spot, those are the only two that come to mind, but I'm like, there, there are dozens I love, you know, mm-hmm. and ranging from all different kinds, you know, it's, Gabe is always way better at this answer. I can see it. He's just brewing. He's like, he's going to be like, it always goes back to, and I hate doing this, but like in the, in the, in the later mid nineties, we had Fincher, David Fincher. Yeah. And yeah. he came out with Fight Club. Um, I was probably like, what, 16, 16, 17, maybe? That was mind blowing. Like, that was like, to me, like, that's, I think, when I wanted to, like, I, even to this day, I'm really enamored that, like, the magic he creates on screen and the technical prowess he has with everything is, is unreal. Like, there's just something about a Fincher film when you watch it you're getting a really good bottle of wine mm-hmm. when you watch this film. Um, and then I remember going, Oh, what else did he do? And you found out like, I think later on I found out he did the game 
And I was like, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, love the game. That's an incredible movie. And oh, it still holds man. up to this day. I mean, some things in it are dated, but like, man, like that's what I mean. It ages. Every film he does ages so well. Maybe The Curious of Benjamin Button was my, I did watch it. I did like it, but. Not yeah, that yeah, my, you know, um, I did not like it, but I, was, I did not not yeah yeah like I I, I actually like really, I forgot he made that to like five. You years. should really rewatch it. It holds up very well. It's, it's become one of my favorites of his. It's very. Really? Good. But you're right. His fingerprint though on cinema is like. And no one's talking about the new Batman. You watch that new Batman trailer, and you're like Fincher. It's like, Fincher. Yeah, yeah that's so many influence. people were saying that. Yeah. I, and I think I think even Nolan gets should get that respect too like even with an, a lot of people copy the nolan yes style yeah you know what i mean but i think fitcher at least for me generation 90s or whatever whatever they're called you know that was that was a biggie absolutely uh, yeah fincher gets fin i don't want to say fincher gets overlooked from like that 90s era of filmmakers your tarantinos Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith, if you want to throw him in there. Yeah. But like, you know, every time All great somebody, names, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like any like, any anybody says like David Fincher, you're like, oh fuck yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because exactly. like I forget about seven came out in like 90. I mean, you know, I was a kid, so like I didn't see seven when it first came out. But I go back and I watch seven all the time. It, that is, you know, David Fincher basically making a horror film. And that one scene to this day that just still fucks with me is when they go into um, the room with the corpse yeah, with all the air freshener. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you know, it, it, the thing's still alive and yeah. it's like, that, that is such a fucking jaw dropping scene. And it sucks that I saw it after the fact, like kind of no, like I knew that was going to happen. I, I saw a clip of it online or something. And let me tell you though, renting that and watching that in the nineties when yeah. it came out, like with no frame of reference for any of this stuff, like that shit was terrifying. That scene must have fucking played big in the theaters. I saw um, seven. I think here did that come out? Ninety five like or more, it was mid nineties. I think I don't. I don't know. Maybe when. it was ninety five. Yeah, I think ninety five. That sounds about right. I was fourteen. I I, I kind of swore I saw it in theaters. No, dude. But yeah, I get what you're saying. See, the thing is, it's it, it's. I think some people, when you ask them who their favorite filmmakers are, their brain rushes to be like, oh, I want to sound smart and I want to sound cool. But I don't think there's anything wrong with being like Tarantino, Rodriguez, Scorsese, Kevin Smith, David Fincher, Thomas Anderson, you know, all these guys. Like, listen, Gabe and I will die on the hill that is Michael Bay any day. So. I will die. I, we are we defend that man so much. Okay. <laughs> you just made me really happy. If you guys ever want to go back and listen to my old episodes, me and a, a friend of mine, a fellow a filmmaker, we love Michael Bay. And we Good. did about a three-hour episode defending his filmography. And we, well, like invite us on. Reese and I defend his filmography when we're going for car drives. We yes. defend him together in the car against yes. imaginary people. Against, we don't against, know. Yeah, imagine we create arguments where we defend Michael Bay. I mean, the the thing is, is like once we kind of hit the Transformers franchise, you can tell in the episode we ran out of steam a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but once we're going through the Bad Boys movies and The Rock, which we could. 
I, oh my I, God. Have, I have to do an episode like completely devoted to the rock. But even still, like pain and gain and oh, pain 13, and gain. Uh, oh my god, sorry, what's it called? Is it 13 hours? Is that yeah. what it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, game, a, that's a good one. And even the trailer for ambulance when you watch it, you're like yeah. right on. And I liked his Netflix movie, Six Underground. I'm like, who else has the balls to pull off something I, like this? I liked it too. I felt like Netflix was just like, you're fucking Michael Bay. Here's a couple yeah. hundred mil and, uh, you yeah. know, just go have a fucking make ball. whatever. And you can tell in the first 10 minutes, he's like, make whatever you want. <laughs> Blood spurting, slow motion cars, beautiful women. Like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> We're so hardcore that on the set for, for the sake of vicious, uh, we got these custom mugs made Reese and I, and this is what we'd have our coffee in the trailer every morning, Bayham. That is and I posted what... a photo of this in Instagram and tagged Michael Bay. And he commented on it and liked it. Yeah, that was while like we were that, shooting the film, yeah, and I yeah. I lost my shit oh, um, on Instagram. Yeah, that and, is uh, so nuts. That was like <laughs> Bayham. That was the name of the episode we dropped when we talked to Michael Bay, but he he didn't. I think I I think I added him, but uh, I no he I didn't get that much success. But it's <laughs> fucking cool, you guys like Michael Bay because I yeah he's. Whether you want to knock him or not, he has an aesthetic all his own. And, you know, maybe sometimes the humor he puts in his movies is a little like, but, you know, he, he, he's, he's openly said uh, he makes movies for 13 year old boys. Yeah. He makes, well, movies. and I mean, but like, regardless of any of that, like he said, just his visual style is his insane. Energy on set. Like, mm-hmm. and his energy on set and some of these In shots. General, like, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like I said, even watching that ambulance trailer, some of the shots in that, you're like, he's still got it. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know? he is like a one-man first, second, and third unit. Like, yes. I don't know. Like, I find out like, oh, yeah, we shot, you know, Pain and Gain, which is kind of a low-end budget for one of his films. He's like, yeah, yeah, we shot it in, you know, probably like, I think it was like, I, I want to say it was like two months. And I was like, you shot that in fucking two months? Like, there's <laughs> so much fat on his movies. And I'm like, how the fuck did you shoot all this? Like, and did you have like, did you have like 19 hour days nonstop? Like, <laughs> um, I just feel like he's so like it wouldn't surprise me if one day you see this explosive action sequence at the beginning of the movie, and then behind the scenes he's like, so I woke up that morning and I went and bought a red cam and I shot that entire sequence myself with our stunt team yeah. on a go kart go kart that was modified with like you know a crazy engine or something. He just seems like he's, and I, he just seems like watching the behind the scenes. I forget which one it was. I think it was Age of Extinction. Um, I forget which one it was. He yells. Yeah. Like you watch him on set. You're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He. Um. I think it was a behind the scenes clip on uh, and it's like through the footage of the movie, and you hear him off behind the camera. But it yeah. was a blooper on the blooper reel of Bad Boys too. I think like. Martin Lawrence and Will Smith are just getting out of a car and Mar- they're in like a like a $250,000 really nice car. I-, I can't remember what it is, but he opens the door, Martin Lawrence, and it like hits something and the door gets like dented and you just hear Michael Bay like, will you not fucking scratch the $250,000 car? <laughs> oh man all right we should probably keep moving here but uh, i have a, a, a just to to kind of start to transition into for the sake of vicious but um oh yeah you, that <laughs> uh, why i kind of asked you guys to be on the show but then we're just 
I don't know. We should, we'll do a Bayham part two and you guys can come on. But um, how did you two meet? How do you guys know each other? Oh, God. We've known each other for since 2006 Five. now. Six. Yeah, 2006 is when we first met. It, it was nothing. I, you know, I'd like to say it was some grand thing, but literally somebody pointed him out across the room at, a, at an event and I waved to him. And he waved back at me. That's how we met. So. And, and then I think we worked on someone's short, like in, in Guelph, there's like a media art center. Yeah. yeah. So you got to um, understand Guelph is sort of like in Ontario is outside of Toronto, which is obviously the city that most people who don't live in Canada know what Toronto is. Yeah. Guelph is about 45 minutes outside of that. So, but somehow our little city became, especially in 2006, 2007, was like the hub of most filmmaking in ontario mm -hmm. and a lot of us have actually spread out and done very well from it but there was like there was like a collective of us who who were at an organization there called ed video which supported local independent artists and, and that's they were funded we, by the government and they had all this gear yes god canada's so good to their filmmakers jesus christ no well no they're not <laughs> But golf was no good. Money here. Yeah, there's Maybe no it's money just here. I'm in Florida. No one gives a damn about film down here. But you know, I think it's the same everywhere. They they think they are, but yeah. yeah. We're but supporting the arts, man. No, you're yeah, not. yeah, yeah. <laughs> supporting. So there was like a group of us, and we would congregate at Ed Video, and it was like Gabe was always there, and I was there, and uh, I just think it was over the over the years, like we'd be on a set together. <laughs> working together with other people and then like yeah something else and then it, like Larissa and I would go do something work on and then it was slowly became like working together more it was like this gradual thing um and then got yeah. to the point where like you know he made a, um, a really cool zombie film called Dead Genesis and uh I made a film during when he was making Dead Genesis called If a Tree Falls we were both making these films around the same time and he was and shooting in the same fall. location <laughs> yeah, and then he threw me in Dead Genesis. So we both acted in our films as quick cameos too. Yeah. Um, and then he actually helped me do the effects, the the head smash, I remember for If the Tree Falls. This was 11, 12 years ago now in my parents' yeah. backyard. That's right. Um, so it was just him and I. And I think maybe, no, that wasn't, well, no, we were filming If the Tree Falls together, but that was our one, maybe one of our first times alone together. Yes, yeah. And that just, and then subsequently from there, because we've been directing our own things, um, but we had always, we've always been involved in each other's projects in some respect, whether cameoing or just offering a lending hand, or, I mean, Gabe can tell you about, tell them about the food court, the importance of the mall food. Oh, the food court. So we, we are, we are, we are self-proclaimed mall rats, like legitimately. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, like that movie, Reese and I will go to the mall. We know the people who work in the stores. We say hi. And we go to the food court. And we sit down. And we talk. And we eat food. And then we get up and we walk around again. We get in the car. And then we go to, like, another store or something. And then we go home. Or, you know, sometimes we go see a movie together. Like, it was literally, like, a movie. Sometimes we would hang out. Hanging out with your bud-type movie. So we'd always go to the mall food court in between our movies, uh, you know, to talk trade battle stories and yeah. talk about, you know, what this and that was. And, um, and then, uh, you know, we're always pitching each other ideas and for the sake of this just came through, you know, 
I had this one idea about a, like a home invasion film in the summer during a blackout in the house being a house being raided by like a SWAT team and just kind of like the, the psyche of like, how do people behave during the blackout? Because there's that movie from the nineties with Elizabeth Shue called trigger effect, which is yeah. one of my favorite nineties films. Um, that I was like, ah, man, there's something about that film, how people act. And then um, I gave Reese this outline and then uh, he took a stab at the script for it. Um, and it, I think the first draft, I was like, sweet, let's go. I want, let's go shoot it. <laughs> like, I was happy with it. And this was before um, Raven Banner came on as producers, before Abby Fettergreen came on um, as a producer. Like it was literally like, okay, now I'm going to go shoot this movie by myself with a script that Reese wrote. Um, yeah, we had, we'd, like we'd said, we'd been in the scenario where we were making other things and we knew we were going to work together at some point. We just didn't know what it was. And we were always joking about it and talking about it. And like Gabe was saying, the food court is the holy church ground for us. And Gabe is always pitching movie ideas, always. And at that particular summer, which was the summer of 2018, God. we were coming off of, two of our own projects that didn't do as well that as we had hoped and the, the feeling off of both of them, we were both kind of feeling like, you know, like yeah, we put a lot of work into these projects and they just didn't do what we wanted them to do, which happens. That's fine. Um, but I remember at, he just caught me at the right moment with his pitch for, wasn't even called for the sake vicious. I don't remember what it was called back then. Um, but there was something about it that I was like, you know what, that'd be kind of fun. And I, I, I sort of want to write something and I need something to write. Uh, can I take a crack at it? He's like, yeah, sure. And that's, that's, it's so funny that that's how it started. It was such a, it was such a mundane, simple thing. Like it wasn't a big deal. It was just, and we this wasn't even something we were going to co-direct. It was just like, I'll write this for you and maybe I'll produce it for you and we'll, we'll figure it out. And we'll go shoot it super cheap. But it's just, it's really funny thinking about now, like what it's turned into. Yeah. It was such a small, <laughs> stupid, like innocent conversation that then I remember when I finished the first draft, he did something that I fucking pissed me off, but it ended up being the right decision is you sent my very, very, very first draft with all the spelling errors, all the grammatical problems, everything. I hadn't even fixed it. You sent it to James Fleur at Raven Banner. I was so mad because it's like it's not even. It's like it's the vomit draft, you know. Yeah. It's like all this stupid it idea. Doesn't matter though. With them, you get them ahead of. You get them on board ahead of time. Just yeah, it's a valid point. The magic. Yeah. So he had the stroke of genius there. I didn't because it was like, why would you send this? And much to my surprise, James got us on a group call and he's like, "Yeah, this is actually pretty solid. I think there's. I think you might have something here." And uh, that's what kicked it off. And then, I mean, now that was, you know, it's a very different script than what the original outline yeah. was. Right. Like completely. So that was, yeah, summer of 2018. And we didn't start shooting till October of 2019. So I guess it wasn't too long. It feels like it was longer, but it, it went by really fast. This has been a journey. Like, wow. That's yeah. fucking two and a half. Yeah. That almost. Yeah. Like two and a half years ago. Close yeah. To yeah. Yeah. So sorry, that's the, that's the genesis of the story for it, anyways. So, no, that's that that's cool. Um, 
I, you may have kind of, I guess you kind of answered this, but I was going to ask you like, what's it like kind of directing as a pair? Cause you guys are my first co-directors to ever be on this show. So what's the dynamic? What, what does Reese take on more than Gabe does or vice versa? Oh God. It was frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> it was difficult. It was this, listen, this movie was not easy to make. So I don't think in any circumstance it would have worked. We didn't have a plan. We just kind of threw ourselves into it and be like, we'd figure it out. And, and we did, obviously we got the movie done, but I, I think it's really hard to nail down a master plan of how it worked per se. It was more just a trusting of, I've seen Gabe's movies. I know he is competent at doing this. He's seen my movies. He knows I'm competent at doing this. What can we learn from each other? What are the strengths that this person has that I don't and vice versa? And um, it was more that the thing that, that I'll let Gabe answer this too, but the thing that actually kept us going, that was the, the bottom line, even through all the frustrations, disagreements, any of that is that we at least were both always moving towards the same goal is which we knew what we wanted the movie to be. And that's the most important thing about being a team. Yeah. Is that at the very least at the end of the day, if you can go, but it's it's like that old joke when uh, uh, Joe Walsh talks about the eagle. It's not it's not about us. It's about the band, you know. Like, <laughs> and you're doing a movie. It's like you get in your own head and you go, it's not about us. It's about the movie. Like, what's good for the movie? So, I but think, Gabe, you 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 take yeah. It. No, I think it's because uh, the way I look at it is um. You know, we both literally become, we come from the same, essentially the same school of filmmaking where we never went to film school. Uh, we grew up making movies in our backyards, having to do everything, literally doing audio, doing production design, doing effects, doing all that stuff ourselves pretty much, or with like a small group. So we knew the work ethic and with this film, extremely low budget still. Um, and we were able to tack on tackle duties um we, we i don't want to say we bet on more that we could chew position wise but we really did um our yes. production designer um didn't drop out or get fired but ended up not being part of the film uh like what a month before shooting so yeah. reese and i had to step in and be production designers and we had to do everything do everything props, i can tell from the props, credits of the movie yeah <laughs> everything and I feel like we only could do that and didn't complain and kind of like, okay, well, let's go do it. We both have that mentality. Well, okay, yes. we have to go do it. Like versus you could be working with someone who's like, oh, dude, like really, can't we like, oh, like, yeah, I'm sure we did that, but we didn't have a problem. You know, it's 11 o'clock at night and yep. we're renovating one of the bedrooms upstairs in this house, uh, just the two of us and Reese's wife, Aaron, um, into a bathroom. You know, the bathroom in the film is actually a bedroom and we made that into a bathroom ourselves and got all that stuff off Facebook marketplace, Kijiji. But I remember it had carpet and I looked at Reese, I'm like, let's rip up the carpet and vacuum everything up. What time does Walmart close? 11. <laughs> we still got time. We can go buy paint and paint the floor white because we shoot in like a week and a half. Let's just get it done now. <laughs> we can sleep tomorrow. You so know, for some reason, yeah, I always forget about us ripping up that carpet. And like, you know, he never complained about it. You know, I never complained about it. We just went and did it because it had to be done versus like, you know, I know a handful of people or filmmakers that I wouldn't be able to work with in a sense because of 
certain things like that where they would want it to leave it to I don't know or maybe not I don't know I just um I think we just have that you you just look at each other and go well it has to get done so we're gonna do it like I don't think everyone actually gets in that situation in life regardless of filmmaking whatever right you get stuck in a situation but we really I don't know I feel like if we didn't have that mentality with this film we would not have gotten made no and you know you put the pressure on yourself because you have people investing in you making a yeah I mean, it's the film business they want you're making a product that has to be so like yeah, there's yeah, no other yeah. choice you look at each other and go well we have to do it like we, we need to do it and we know we can um and even the stuff we didn't know how to do we'll be like well we'll just figure it out yeah and we'll just make it work and i mean yeah it's and but that's that's very tough though like it's that, that it was it's it's easier to look back at now, but at the time it it was pretty rough. So like I remember while we were shooting some of the the near the towards the end of the film, the fight sequence, like I would have to go out because there was no production designer or PAs to go do things. I would go out while Reese is command of set and I would go to Michael's or Walmart and buy picture frames and get the glass, come back, take the glass out of the picture frames and put that glass into the cupboard that Nick gets smashed into. So we at least have one shot of glass being broken and we cut and we throw gels. We'd be doing that on set. Like one of us would be running out to get something, Um, you know, in the the, the windows in the house when it's nighttime. We went out during shooting and we got spray paint, you know, and while actors are rehearsing, we're spray painting the windows on the outside black. Or we're building props upstairs or so yeah, because we took over the house and the house acted as everything. Like it was the only thing people didn't do was stay there. Um, but like that was our production studio. You know, we stored equipment in the basement, and then in the upstairs we had one room that we shared props and camera and uh, like the uh, uh, it's called DIT, but the editing software and everything. Yeah, and no, I got you. I got you. The computers and all the hardware dumping, and then. The back room was the green room slash makeup room slash uh, wardrobe room. And then there was a mud room downstairs that became the special makeup effects. Like we utilized every single corner of that house. And it was, I just, I'm just thinking now, like, I'm like, I don't know. I, it stresses me out thinking about it now. I'm like, I don't know how. Really? Cause it. I'm amazed. Like, I'm yeah, like was, I mean, I know you went through it, but. And we, we rented a, like a camping trailer and parked it outside. And that became the de facto production oh. office. Yeah, it, became, it became the office and it became the craft room. And it was a secondary bathroom. And I remember our, our AAD slash line producer, Peter, would go in there and he would do all his work. And um, yeah, but what Gabe's, and we're jumping ahead of the story, but I got to tell you, man, the smells in that house in that trailer when we were done because we we didn't go to the dump at any point we were putting everything in garbage bags and leaving them outside behind the house yeah there was like a little i think it was a garbage hut i don't know what it was but we would just shove everything in there knowing that at the end of production we had to go back to it and we did but raccoons and skunks had gone through it Oh my God. And it's the smell because it's like fake blood, food, everything. Rack, Gabe was legit. Urine, skunk piss. Yeah. Gabe was legit dry heaving. When I, I had to double bag stuff again, he couldn't even stand near me. And I remember we went into the trailer. We left it for two days. 
and then we had to go clean it out. And I remember Gabe, you're like, I can't go in here. I'm not going still, in. I, do, as I can still smell that trailer. Like the, <laughs> the, 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 it's like an older trailer. So like the fabric on the the seats and like, yeah. the, you know what I mean? The, yeah, the, the, no, the smell of the table wood that's in there, or the, the the kitchen table. Yeah, I can smell the carpet in the house and the and the and the blood. The blood, just like the smell of it soaking into the house. Oh boy, it was rough. And you have what? There was like 15 of us sharing that house. And then we rented an Airbnb for everybody to actually stay in. Um, yeah, it was, it was insane. It was like, rough. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done, Tyler? Give <laughs> 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 me therapy. therapy oh, dude, right honestly, like I respect, cause this just, I respect the hell out of you guys. Cause this sounds like like just nitty gritty get it shut your fucking mouth and get it done you're making a movie like you know you have to make decisions like this it's not going to be pretty i mean i kind of went through it years ago when i made something on a a very know nothing budget not saying you guys had a know nothing but you guys seem to have more money than i did but um uh like no i i this is this is what happens on on an independent film set and you know yeah you obviously you know especially these days to be as safe as you can and whatnot. Yes. And, um, but, but, you know, there's things like this that happen, you know, you, you have, you turn a house into basically a, a studio lot to get all these departments up and running. So by the way, how many days did you shoot this movie? Well, I mean, technically we shot primarily, we did 15 main unit days. Okay. And then we did three extra days. So we had a pre-shoot day where we did all the big motorcycle stuff that we did probably almost a month before we shot the movie. Then we did 15 primary days where we got pretty much the entire movie that you see now. Gabe and I did a day ourselves where we rented a camera because we were also doing a music video that day. So that was a week after we finished Rat. So we started in October and we finished... So October 2019, I think we started on the 7th, I believe, and we shot right up until just about a week before Halloween. So we came back less than a week after we shot to do that music video, but we also did pickup shots where we stood in for like, we used my hands a lot and stuff like that, or I dressed up as some of the characters and just to get some stuff that we knew we were missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we came back in February of 2020 and we did a... We did a reshoot day. We did one reshoot. I say I, should say, I shouldn't even say it was a day. It was an evening. I think we got it all in like four hours. So, or no, shit, we did, holy moly, we did another day because there was a whole scene in the biker bar with James too. Oh, yeah. That was its own thing. Yeah, so we did, yeah. So, yeah. And the thing with Nick, yeah. Yeah, so maybe like 18 days, I think. 15, but 15 is like, that's where we shot most of what That was the bulk of it, yeah. 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 When you were like writing it or not even even past writing it to like actually being on set, because, you know, I know filmmakers can kind of talk sometimes with references and whatnot. Um, what did you like? What other movies were you maybe thinking of through the process of writing it and creating it like that you were just referencing or inspirations that were kind of going on in your head? It's tough, man. I, I don't know. Like it's usually it's funny for a lot of projects. I can point to specific movies and be like, this is what we were going for. This one felt different. This one felt a lot more personal. Um, and this one is also, but it's also obviously it's a mishmash of a bunch of different things, but I can't pinpoint one thing specifically. 
Um, Cause I know when I wrote it, it was sort of just, we're in the zone and it felt more like writing from the gut. Cause again, like I said, I was, we're coming off of projects that didn't do very well. And yeah. I know I was angry. <laughs> so like the script to me was getting out a lot of aggression, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm trying to think, like, I know Gabe likes to reference the point break thing. That was a big one. Um, it's funny because it's not really movies that you would expect it to be. I don't know if. Yeah. Know some of the reviews, like, quote, like, John Carpenter and other and like, yeah, who, who's not in yeah. John Carpenter? So. Yeah, everybody is. <laughs> but, like, it's not like Reese and I were, like, talking about John Carpenter at all. during. No, the, no. You know, it's, having, like. No, because a lot of it, again, was just you had no time to think about the reference. We just were pulling from our own. As a filmmaker, as you know, instinctively, you're always referencing somebody else. It's impossible not to. But I can't pinpoint a specific thing and be like, that's what it is. Um, it was just a collage of a bunch of different crazy ideas. And it's fun now seeing people dissect it and be like, oh, it has a lot of this or it has a lot of this or it has a lot of that. And we're like, yeah, cool. I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> some, sure. some of them, I just feel like saying, guys, you're overthinking it. <laughs> yes, there's that too, 100%. Where you, you see a reference and you're like, I've never seen that movie. So I have no idea. It's kind of funny because you referenced John Carpenter. And, you know, when John Carpenter's being interviewed about his movies, um, people say he's a grouch. I think he's just very no nonsense. And 100%. like, I remember seeing a video where it's like him. I think maybe John Landis and like David Cronenberg and Mick Garris is interviewing them. Yes, and, I've seen this one. Yeah. And like, it, it's like, you know, David Cronenberg's being like kind of super intellectual about it. And I don't remember what exactly everybody said, but John Landis was being John Landis, you know, yeah. fucking talking nonstop for like two hours. <laughs> Cigarette and, too. <laughs> yeah. And John Carpenter is very much just, I, again, I forget what he says, but he just kind of makes it seem like whatever you think, whatever you want to know about the movies on the screen. That's all you yeah. need to know. <laughs> and, and some days I, that's how I feel with for the sake of vicious. Cause I'm like, I don't know what it is. It's a collage of a bunch of, it's two filmmakers who were angry and burnt out and tired. And we went and made this thing. And it's, it's a miracle that it we happened. Out and made it did. burnt out and tired. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you, it's so funny that you see people dissecting them. Like you've no idea what some of those days on set were like, where, well, we're running out of time. We got to cut a page or no, nope, we can't shoot this. We got it. Nope. Nope. Just go, just go, just go. But I mean, the intriguing idea was this idea of so there's two things i'll focus on it's like we liked the idea of doing a film that did a 180 switch halfway through because mm -hmm. we thought it was intriguing to kind of do you sort of have this like procedural courtroom drama for the first 40 minutes of the movie yeah and then we're like okay and now let's have fun and take it in a completely different direction we're just sort of experimenting and having fun. I wish we could give some big intellectual answer. And I'm not saying we didn't think about it before we did it, because obviously we did. Um, but it was a big, like, we didn't, we didn't know that this movie would have the audience it did. We were making this for ourselves. We're like, we don't want to be bound or constricted by rules that we've had with our other films before. Let's just go. We're putting, we're coming together finally for the first time. Let's just do what we want to do. Let's go balls to the wall and let's just go all out. And we weren't even thinking about what the movie was going to do or how people were going to react to it. And luckily the overall reaction has been great. Thank God. But uh, 
if anything, the funniest comparisons I see is when people call it a home invasion movie, which yes, you're right. It is. We never once thought about that when we were making it. Cause I'm like, ah, I guess, I guess it is a home invasion movie, but we didn't, we didn't think of it at the time. We were like, it's just three people who get caught in a really, really shitty situation. So. It's funny that you mentioned everything that you just said, because that sometimes is how a great movie comes together. Yeah. You know, you, you hear other directors talk, telling stories about, you know, how did you accomplish? Like, how did you, what were you trying to say in that scene? And it, it's just like, like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, <laughs> it just, you know, we were like, we needed to get it done in an hour. So we cut like, you know, half a page out of the script and boom, there it was. And it still yeah. worked. Yeah. So this makes me nervous for, you know, any more questions I have for this interview. No, 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 no. Don't but, worry. Um, no, it, it's fine. Uh, but I did want to kind of talk about, you know, just some of the, from a cinematography perspective. Like, sure. This is just for me while I was watching it. Maybe it's because there's just like, it felt like, and again, this just could be you're running low on time or something <laughs> or, or like had to get a setup that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So you're like, fuck it. We're just going to put it on a shoulder rig or something. And, but some of the shots felt like that house felt claustrophobic oh, as hell. And some of the shots felt really tight. I mean, the movie feels really tight. It, it's, you know, it's 80 minutes. It kind of gets in and out, says what it needs to say and boom, the credits roll. Um, but just tell me about what you guys were maybe trying to accomplish, like look wise and aesthetic wise. I, I see you're laughing already because <laughs> the answer is like, we didn't have a choice. That's the only house. We no choice. <laughs> the we only were, thing we... with lighting was like, I remember um, our, our awesome DOP cinematographer, Alex Tong, um, you know, making notes to him saying like, we have to not see chords going down any walls or anything like that because we need 360 degree almost camera movement in these rooms and i remember one day they had a cord running down the wall before we started shooting so they had a, a, a light panel on the ceiling right to top light everything because if you top light everything you can pretty much do 360 degrees yeah maybe some fill but if you're really in it you can do it and there's black cord coming down the wall like and I, I lost it on Alex and Alistair. I was like, guys, I told you we can destroy this house. You can do anything you want. If I'm saying you can drill holes through floors and walls, you can drill holes through floors and walls. And, um, you know, they were concerned about wiring and stuff like that. I'm like, I'll do it. I ran to Home Depot, got a drill bit to drill through a floor on the upstairs. Did that, took the cord off the wall and the cord up and plugged it in. Just think, I think they were kind of like, Oh God, we're working with him. We're working with a we're working with a lunatic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, it, yeah. But it that's the shit. Like you kind of need to like I don't like yeah. Did, when I was drilling the floor through the you know the foot of flooring upstairs, did I think I was going to get electrocuted if I hit a wire? No. <laughs> you know, and I thought, well, what are my odds? I'll take my odds with this. Yeah. Um, you know, and those uh, like. I like working with people who are like that too. Um, I know Alex and Alistair, our camera team probably didn't. Um, God bless them. But uh, you know, our stunt guys, we were very lucky with them. Um, they were very much like my mentality and Reese's mentality, where it's like, I don't care if I'm get a cut. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna cry or go to the hospital. Like our stunt team was pretty amazing. 
But uh, yeah. regarding the lighting and, and all that, it was very, we were pretty, a lot of it had to be top lit, uh, yeah. the, especially the bathroom scene. I remember having, um, like it needed to be top lit. I know recent I got, was it you and I that were getting in arguments about it being too bright or was it me and this Alex? I don't know. It was, it remember. was tough because we, we look, we pushed those guys really hard. Um, for better or worse, it was what it was, but it's just, we knew that in the independent film racket, specifically Gabe knows this way better than I do. because He's got a great eye is that the way your film looks is so important these days. Not that it ever shouldn't be, but having a, having a visual style is like Gabe and I watch so many independent films and there's tons we absolutely love and adore by friends of ours that we support. But we also watch a lot where we go, oh, the visual style, like it just, like it has no, it doesn't feel like it has a personality. And we really wanted to make sure that our personality was on film. And unfortunately, I, I don't think that we gave we probably didn't give our camera team enough benefit of a doubt to really put their voice in it. And I think we really imposed our voice on it. And I don't know, you know, you could argue whether that's good or bad. It is what it is. But I think a lot of the look of the film is because we really pushed for, no, it needs to look like this. Some of it is happy accidents. The house was a fluke. We got it three weeks before we started shooting. It's small, it's cramped, it's confined. The stairwell it, even was like yeah. abnormally narrow for, like, even in it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, we're gonna have to shoot in this place because the stairwell alone is narrow. Like, it was. I've never been in a stairwell that narrow. No. Like, I don't know who built this house. No, like madmen, psychopaths. So the house became a character unto itself, and we had to adapt the movie kind of like if you're casting an actor. The act, the house was the actor, and we had to adapt our story and our filming style and everything to make it work within the house. Because the original plan was that. We had designed a house layout of sort of a bungalow that the script was based off of. And we, I don't know how we were going to do this. We were going to build the set. Um, but then at a certain point- That was just, when we had the production designer and everything. Yes, that's, that's right. That's right. But then once he left, it became clear that I'm like, well, we got we to gotta find a place. And we ended up finding a place that was being demolished a couple months after we shot. And- um, Again, but that's low budget filmmaking. You just take it and you adapt to it. And a lot of the visual style and the look and the feel, we owe a lot to that house. <laughs> like it, it kind it's of defined weird. It's almost the like style. The film reflects the energy on set, like yes. and, oh and the tensions God. amongst crews, like 100%. legit. And just I never thought of that until now. Actually, I'm just like, yeah, this film is very, <laughs> very reflective to. Well, especially to, yeah, because there's some scenes in that movie with the cast. And the tension and the stress that you, I watch and I go, they're not acting. That's real. Like they're, yeah. they're actually angry that day. <laughs> like yeah. that, that, the movie does feel, I mean, the title itself feels angry for some reason. <laughs> and the fact that you guys have just told me here today, um, you guys made it kind of angry. You were <laughs> mad about, you know, a couple pictures not working out. So, cause I, I felt that it. it felt pretty punk rock. It felt pretty fuck you. Like, you know, it, it, it seemed like an angry movie. It seemed like an angry, violent movie. And to bring it to the title, how did you think of that title? I feel like I asked that, but I don't think I did. <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, the title is always funny because we didn't, we didn't, um, I can't even remember what the, the, uh, the original tell, title was. And then it was just called This House or something at some point. And then 
it was like a vicious cycle, I think, at one point. And then Gabe and I were, I think we were like, we, we need a, a good catchy title. Gabe's great at titles. Gabe loves titles. And he, I'm fairly certain this is a Gabe title. Or at the very least, you sent a list of possible titles. And I think we took two of them and mixed them together and went for the sake of vicious. And it's funny because you see the tweets, they're like, the title doesn't make any sense. And we're like, we know, but it looks good. So, yeah. We know it doesn't, but it kind of does if you think about it another way. <laughs> yeah. We just liked how it looked when you typed it out. You're like, for the sake of, yeah, perfect. There we go. For the sake of vicious. For the sake so, of viciousness. Because honestly, what else are you going to call the movie? Like, it's, it's, that is what it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I know uh, a really good group, um, like, some of our really good friends uh, at Black Hawn Films, Chad and Cody, they made a film called Vicious Fun after us, but they had that title during the same time as we were shooting. Um, so it was always, we were always curious how this is going to, because both, both our films rolled out, or no, Vicious Fun rolled out on Shutter what, in the fall? Last, well, fall? last year, last year. Last yeah. year. So yeah. it was a little bit of a relief that... <laughs> But, but we had our title first. I'm, I'm sticking to that. So, we, yeah. had it, we had it we like had it first. a year and a half prior. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, last kind of question I have about the movie. Uh, like the biker gang. And what I don't know. There's something very... It just kind of stood out to me. Like the, the white helmet and everything. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. Like <laughs> what made you like... What, what, like, in costume design or in writing, like, what made you kind of give them that look and whatnot? Like, in all the Halloween masks, too. Like, <laughs> it's going to be the same answer, like, isn't it? Like, you know, like <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> well, listen, Halloween there's masks two... was a time thing. We, yeah. we didn't have time, and we didn't have a person to make masks. So we went to the dollar store and bought a bunch of devil masks and skull masks the devil mask, we didn't do anything to them. We checked the copyright on. There was no copyright and there's no tag on it. So we knew we were going to get slammed with any kind of thing for that. The skull masks, though, I was like, ugh. So I remember we just painted them. They were glow-in-the-dark green. So then I just um, got white acrylic paint, threw it on the mask, put red paint on the lips, and then a big black X on the forehead to make it look anything but the mask was before with contrast colors you're not going to relate to the dollarama mask just in case the mold was kind of like um whatever so that was just timing but there was no time there was no like you know a dollar five it's, bucks for those masks it's the same with the helmets though because you bought those well those helmets were in the works for a year so like yeah. i remember this summer before we started shooting i was on kijiji and facebook marketplace looking up people who were getting rid of motorcycle helmets um and i ended up getting the three of them well way before we started shooting and then giving bringing them to my dad's auto body shop sanded them all down uh and then using automotive car paint white because i thought okay they can't be dark because well it might just bleed into the background and you know what it's kind of cool it's going to pop on screen being white and plus i was hoping in my head at the time that some of the blood you'd see the blood go on the white there, well, never did, but I just thought, oh, what if? That would be kind of cool, right? And then the, the visors, we didn't have a budget to get the visors they have for the helmets red, red tinted. Because those visors are like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, 
you didn't have that budget. So went to a, I forget what kind of place it is. They do, um, I do signs and stuff. They do. Yeah. They do signs and things. And I gave him the three visors and they're like, he's like, I don't know what I can do. And so he put like a red tint on it, but it was like a gel and he put it on the inside and it's the most non visible thing you can put over your, if you put it over your eyes, it just feels like you're looking through blood water. Like you can't see details. Yeah. You can't see like shadows or depths, like nothing. So like the guys wearing those helmets in the movie doing the stunts were like practically blind, like just red blind vision. Um, you're, you're still short forming this story. The funny part about this is yes, the helmets had been in development, but they, they had it. They had a look that was different. And I remember you guys did a photo shoot with them the oh, night yeah. before we were going to start shooting with the bike. Helmet. And our producer said they look like astronauts and they didn't like it. And that next day, that morning, that we had morning. to completely redo the helmets, yeah. including getting them red tinted. That was done. Yeah, the red day. tint was the day that we were shooting that night. Yeah. I brought so, it to the sign place. I ended up having, we ended up having to pay them $300 to do it. And yeah. It would have been cheaper in the long run. Maybe, to, I don't know, maybe not, but because at least the visors fit on the helmet properly. But, but it was a bad day. Yeah. And then Reese and I, at his place, we carved everything into those helmets with a knife and chisel and stuff and Sharpie, we carved into the helmet <laughs> literally an hour before we went out and shot the, the biker stuff. It was insane. We were sweating. We were just, and we were like down to the wire. We, I think they were still wet by the time we got to them. And it was Sharpie, just like, yeah. yeah, it was insane. Um, it's like everything on this shoot, but I gotta give the bike, all the biker stuff though, from the script point, that was all Gabe's idea. And that was one of the ideas that I didn't like at first. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't wrap my head around it. So do you I want to talk about like, how did you come up with it though? Like what were you world, thinking? World building, right? So it's like you have these characters because they're stuck in this house the whole time. Right? And then we cut away and you show like the world outside, like what is this world? And you see these bikers and these helmets and it kind of gives this like little fantastical element where it's like, oh, who are these guys? Like I'm, I'm picturing the 14 year old me watching this. You know, these cool biker guys, not the 40 year old me who's going to nitpick and go, that looks stupid. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of the world building element, right? Like the making it not look like something you'd see normal day outside, the camel jackets with the vests and the white helmets with red visors, like in your head, that just sounds so cool. And like, you know, a 14 year old kid watching an R rated action film, AKA watching maybe this film be like, oh, those guys look cool. That was the, that was one of those things that were talking about disagreements. I couldn't, I could not wrap my head around it. I just couldn't see it. I couldn't figure it out. I still put it in the script and I knew it was scheduled. And I was like, I just don't get it. And now I'm the one with egg on my face. Cause I'm like, they've used it in all the marketing. So yeah, it's on I'm the like, hey, now and like everything. I'm hundred percent <laughs> willing to admit I was 100% wrong about it. So I was just thinking of, you know, it's an action film and you see so many films with just like human faces. Mm -hmm. And if it's an action film, I mean, our film does harken back. I remember our producers were saying like, it's a beer and burger movie, a good old fashioned yeah. kind of action film at its root, which yeah. is the last half of the film. So it's like, you know, those nineties, eighties B movie action films with like guys in motorcycles and yeah, running totally. the streets and stuff like that. Right. So it kind of is a little bit of a, a, a huge nod to that era of those direct to video, you know, yeah, no, I, that that's 
kind of the vibe I got basically. It's it's almost like you were taking because I feel like in those movies it just feels like a basic concept. Let's have it be a mo- guy with a motorcycle helmet and a machine gun. Exactly. And I feel like you kind of just took that and like made it maybe it's not the word, but it's like now we're gonna make it sexy or something. Yeah, it would have been cool. It would have been way cooler if one of the motorcycle guys in our film had like a, a crossbow mounted on his like a <laughs> <laughs> How much cooler would that been? And he's like trying to load the arrow into it. Yeah, I, we we had yes, we had some wild versions of, of scenes and ideas that just did not make it to the cut and didn't have time. And it would have been cool, but you know, the whole ending of the film was different. Whole ending of the film is different. But we had to change it while we were shooting on the last day of shooting because of time. Yeah, which really really sucked. But <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that's a buzzkill. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a real but I feel you. Let um, me tell you, when we wrapped, it was a really good feeling. Not like a, oh, what a great team. I remember all of us. Well, you and I were fine because you came over an hour later with Taco Bell and we sat in my basement. We sat across from each other just eating Taco Bell, eating beef burritos, looking at each other going, we fucking did it. <laughs> fucking did it. Just like we were tired, exhausted gross looking and we're just like yeah we fucking did it <laughs> you guys we did it you edited the film in what two weeks oh yeah 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 i cut that thing together it fast. was so quick honestly like i felt like i felt like after we've done shooting i went to bed for a day, a day or two and then it feels like he had it done and edited because the thing was is that you know, I don't remember we were, this huge drawn out process with your editing. Well, because like, we were there for everything, obviously, and I knew I was going to edit it. So I yeah. kind of knew from being on set and from what we were doing, I'm like, I know where everything is. Yeah. I already know what we like and I already know what we're going to do. And the funny thing is for the first time in, in, in my career so far, like that, the movie didn't take, change much after our first cut. Like it really didn't. It got a little bit shorter and we added a couple little moments to it but that's probably the closest i've ever stayed to first cut is what got released so no you guys you guys definitely fucking did it um it's a shutter exclusive right it's yeah it's exclusive it's a shutter exclusive i talked to i've just i asked this to the past few filmmakers who've been on who have a film on shutter now uh what was it like kind of were you guys like any any contact with shutter when they decided to maybe pick this thing up like what do you Nope, they haven't even they haven't even called you. <laughs> no, well, it was all handled through Raven Banner and our producers. I yeah, mean, okay. I know we well gave especially like we wanted it to be on Shutter for sure. I know that we've known for a while that it was going to be on Shutter, and I know it was last it was, July, I think. Yeah, it was tough to keep it a secret <laughs> and not and not go because we were super excited. Listen, we, we had a great run with it. We have. It, it, it did very well at festivals, and we we're super happy with that. And then it's, um, it's VOD and Blu-ray release last year in May. Went super well, and it went great. Uh, we had, you know, Dread, uh, Dread Epic Pictures put it out. We had a great relationship with them. They took good care of us. And then Shudder was just like the icing on top, you know? I'm like, yeah. going back to that conversation we were talking about earlier about being in the food court that mundane conversation. I'm like, even Gabe called me this week. He's like, can I, some, I can't even process it some days. He was texting me last week with the day it was on shutter being like, 
you don't understand what a big deal this is. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like, you're right, I don't. Like, <laughs> I think at least to us, because we're literally two, like, we are those two dudes in that small little town who are trying to make movies, who are bigger fans of films than they are maybe filmmakers. You know what I mean? And so, like, we don't go, like, to some filmmakers in the industry, Shutter's like, oh, yeah, did we go to Shutter? Okay, good, moving on. Like, oh, awesome. Or, you know, but to us, it's like, oh, my God. Like, we're, like, fans of Shutter. Like, oh, my God. Like, you know, we, we've subscribed to Shutter since it first came out. So we're just, yeah. like, you know. It, it's validation. It feels <laughs> like, I know, I know we're having a filmmaker moment where we're patting ourselves on the back and tuning our own horn. But it's just, you've heard how hard it was to make. And like the strain it took, and even just the emotional toll after the fact, like it was a really hard, no movie is easy to make, none of them are. But this one in particular was very, very difficult. So for it to have done as well as it has done for how small of a movie it is, and now for it to be on Shutter, like you said, as an exclusive, people are talking about it, people are watching it, people are liking it, people are hating it. Like it's, it's just, it's cool. It's like, wow, I can't believe we would have never thought this is the movie that would do it. Like this is our fun little project where two friends were pissed off and wanted to go make a movie where people argue and then fight and then die and bleed to death. You know, it's like, and now it's out here for the world and people are overanalyzing it. We're going, like, not that we're hoping we don't disappoint anybody, but sometimes a movie is just like, this is a movie where they, two characters share a bottle of vodka during a violent fight scene. Like we're having fun with you. you yeah. <laughs> like, beer movie guys, beer movie. No, it, that is a, that is a good place to kind of land it here. That cause it is. Yeah. I admit, I don't, I don't think I overanalyzed. I did have fun. I had a lot of fun with it. And I think that's why I reached out to you guys to come on this show. Um, it's a great movie. Obviously I feel like I have a lot of listeners that, have shutter so if you haven't checked it out yet please just pop it on tonight or something and have a fucking great time with it as for the two of you gabe and reese uh what do you guys have like coming up down the pipeline at any point if you can talk about anything or i don't know if you're under any ndas but (laughs) some people come on and like yeah i can't say anything and then the next day they drop something i've got nothing man I've got nothing. I mean, like, I mean, well, we should have some. We always have something. We yeah, have sure. We're always writing. You know, like right in front of me right now is a script I'm 40 pages into. You know, I'm trying to get that done, and you know, mm-hmm. you go back to the drawing board, you, you pitch it again. You know, let's just face it. For the sake of vicious, isn't like some of those genre films that you see where, you know, suddenly you get some studios knocking on your door going, "Hey, we want you. What, what would be your take on whatever?" which this is not that kind of film and the film industry like it's tough it's not it's not, you know it as well yeah. as we do like it's hard out there it's Just back to the drawing board you know? there's no guarantees i think gabe and i have been attached and unattached and attached and unattached to a bunch of different things over the last year for sure yeah but it's always it's always the shit show as to what's there was happen one next. that came really close um <laughs> we can't say it through what movie it was or name or anything but remember that and uh, we read the script. They wanted us to direct it. We we put a pitch. Oh in. yeah, 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 we put yeah. A, yeah. We had a we created a lookbook and everything together. Like graphic design stuff is our forte. Yeah. Writing. We put this beautiful package together, and we're like, we're gonna we're gonna fucking get this. 
Yeah. Um, no, we were. That us, was. We yeah. they asked us for. It. We're like, <gasps> and uh, and then like a month goes by, and then one of the producers uh, emailed us, and we're like, oh, he wants to have a phone call, and I'm like, something doesn't seem right though, dude. Like we're not gonna <laughs> get our hopes up. And like I was at his house, and the producer told us on the you know on the phone, like you know, apologize. You know, but you guys, you guys were the hard second place. Yeah. And we're like, oh, it so, was yeah. so close. It and was, the movie's going to be getting, and the movie's going to be getting out there. Like some of the names behind it and stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a decent it, title. And I think it'll, I think close, it'll probably like, have, it'll probably have a good festival run next year. And, and the director's pretty awesome too. You know, yeah. like it's, so it's yeah. like, okay, you know, if we came second place to him and that team or whatever, I'm like, that's, Good for me. <laughs> yeah, I, you're, I don't th- in, you're in good company. Then I don't yeah. think they like. You know the- we're just grateful yeah. for the chance. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I don't think they like the changes we wanted to make. So I think that's why we put because we were like, yeah, yeah, but can we do this? So- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, that's pretty much everything from me here that I got for you guys. Recent Gabe, thank you for a kick-ass show. I truly mean that. This was a lot of fun. Sweet. Yeah. This uh, is actually one of the best like interview conversations we had. It's just so chill and nice. What are Fuck yeah, I'm not cutting that out. I'm definitely leaving that. <laughs> No, I appreciate that. That's that that's that's kind of what I want to do on this show. And just now Gabe's putting you on the spot though, Tyler. What are yeah, your, your favorite films? What are your favorite films? I see are those books or DVDs or Blu-rays in the background? Or Criterions? This is part no, there's no criteria. I think there's maybe three cri- I have criterions, but there's like only three in there. Uh <laughs> this is like only part of my collection. I have another collection in another room. Some of these books are mine. Most of them are my my wife's. So there's like a lot of, uh, I don't know what the fuck she even reads, but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I got, well, you asked what my, some of my favorite movies are. Um, shit, dude. I, I don't know. I'm just going to like say what I see right now. I see, uh, I see uh, her with yeah. Spike Jones. Oh, that's a great movie. Yep. Fucking classic. I it's see. Uh, it's not really, uh, I hadn't stood the test of time, but. I'm seeing 2001 A Space Odyssey. I'm seeing I have the entire box set for Robotech right over there. <laughs> nice. Which isn't mine. That's a friend of mine who lives in Texas. I got to mail it back to him. I've had it for like six years. Um, I got like the Friday the 13th box set and shit. And like, I don't know. It just varies. I got Tarantino, Scorsese stuff back there. And, you know, Amazing. just some genre yeah. films. I, I don't know. We could, talk, we could talk about that for another hour or so. But yeah. um. Thank you again, guys, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And everybody listening, you know the routine. Uh, Leave a rating, leave a review, and don't let this show go into the abyss because I got some cool guests like these guys. Take care. See you next week.